All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Thursday edition of Crypto with English. And we are joined today by two very, very special guests. I would like to introduce Thomas Smith. He's the 2021 Binance Global Influencer of the Year. And he's the CIO of Goldsmith Blockchain Consulting. And you may also know him formerly as being the CTO at SafeMoon. Also, if, you, if you've seen him on Twitter and TikTok, he goes by Papa Chuthulu. By the way, nice HP Lovecraft reference there. <laughs> that is an awesome, <laughs> that's an awesome username to say the least. And I'd also like to introduce Pavan Agarwal, the CEO of the SunWest Mortgage Group. Now, um, speaking of land, what does the landscape look like in blockchain and DeFi going forward this year? It seems like most people are bearish and perhaps rightfully so to an extent, you know, with a lot of the recent news that's going on, especially with, you know, Bitcoin's price dropping and just kind of the overall market dropping. So, you know, kind of to open this episode, you know, uh, I guess with a macro view of things, uh, what are you both feeling right now? You want to start, Thomas? Sure. Yeah. Um, if anybody remembers 2018, that was oh, yes. rough. It, we're, I think we're a little bit, it's, it, it's a little worse now. Um, but if you follow Elliott Waves and how the market goes, a sloshing of money, I think that it will come back eventually. But it's not advice or anything like that. But I think that what we saw in 2018 is going to be magnified this time. So I'm just kind of sticking it out for now. Got it. And uh, would you say that's the case because, um, I guess you could say, the hyperinflation, the, uh, the war in Ukraine right now, and maybe some of these like geopolitical issues are kind of aggravating a lot of things that probably, these problems that kind of already existed for a while, but now it's kind of like pouring gasoline on an already, you know, fearsome fire. Yeah. Um, you're going to see a lot of sanctions, evasion, and things like that pump things that don't have a right to exist. Um, right a lot of that going around um that's exacerbating everything of course yeah. some conflict somewhere something that's going to happen you know absolutely and uh pavan what do you think well I, I think a lot of this is tied to the fed actions um and uh, the dollar has become uh, very strong with the not very strong but much stronger than before with the rate hikes and the dollar will continue to get stronger and that causes other currencies and uh, to fall. And crypto is an easy target to be hit hit first and the hardest. The dollar dollars outperformed everything else across the world uh, in this current, current environment between a combination of flight to safety um, with the global uncertainty, plus the Fed making it very attractive in terms of yield. Right. And, um, you know, especially with, uh, you know, interest rates going up, and perhaps a multitude of other things. Um, do you foresee, you know, at least as far as the U.S. dollar, uh, making some sort of rebound or comeback in the very, very near future, despite everything that's going on? <clears throat> Excuse me, despite everything that's going on at the moment. Well, I mean, it, it already has dollars up significantly uh, right, this year. Right, but, but it. Right. But, you know, uh, you know, with the hyperinflation, you know, with the gas and, you know, buying your basics like, you know, your meat, milk and other grocery items. It seems like that's still bleeding a lot of people's wallets at the same time as well. 
Um, yes, um, and that's all geopolitical and, and um, government policy driven. But when yeah. we talk about when we talk about currencies, and we, you know, you have to look at them relative to other currencies. Sure. Is you know, you have to look at it this way: are are we are we doing better than say say Europeans? Are we doing better than the Japanese? Are we doing better than Chinese? Right? Where's where's inflation in in those countries? Right. And so on a relative term where, you know, if I was to put my money, where would I want to be? I want to be in America. Okay. Yeah, we're still better off, a lot better off. Right. Sure. And, uh, and, and Thomas, what are your thoughts on, on that? Um, I mean, you have such a large vested interest by the whole government in supporting this tool for transfer of value. Um, it kind of behooves them to actually follow through and make a bounce back. I, I'd expect it to happen the same way like 2008 didn't. I mean, a lot of terrible things happened in 2008. Um, but what you didn't see happen was um, banks go away. <laughs> right. Sure. And so the dollar is propped up. So right. it's, yeah. Right. It couldn't happen. So given, you know, at, at least, you know, some of you could almost say, uh, you could say the second wind in some of those indicators with the U.S. dollar semi-recovering or in the process of, you know, making greater recovery, um, you know, where do you see the feasibility of regulation right now? It does seem like among many thought leaders, among many industry leaders, it seems like the prospect of more finite concrete regulation is on the horizon. Um, there are, you know, other skeptics who think that, well, it's blockchain. It's kind of like trying to throw, you know, jello on the wall as far as trying to, you know, get a handle on it and try to regulate it. So um, what are your thoughts on, on that, especially based on, you know, certain moves made by the U.S., you know, in the past few months, um, you know, other things going on in the EU and so on and so forth? So, I mean, I think the one thing that I can expand upon is that I'm a developer first. Um all of the developers in the entire space want clarity. Got it. You know, even if you're throwing jello at a wall, I think, was it even the library founder said, we'll give all the money back, we'll burn it, we, we'll do anything you want instead, and based on an interpretation of what's going on. So I think, you know, it's not fair for me to, like, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a coder, um, but I think we all want rules um, in a way, right. you know, instead of it just kind of everyone... A lot of people think that it's the Wild West, but really right now it's regulated based on interpretation and, and not actual, you know. Right. Yeah. And what do you think, Pavan? Well, when you look at the history of the U.S. government and governments in general, uh, uh, usually regulations and title controls always follow some kind of a sudden change. Um, right. So, and we just had a sudden change in crypto values. Um, so, it's not un, unreasonable that's going to get followed by by regulatory, uh, some sort of regulatory action. Right? People have lost a lot of money and a lot of wealth. Sure. Um, uh, you know, some people in cash, some people on paper, um, and that that's usually a catalyst for for change. And so, expect I, I would expect regulations to be coming in. And regulations don't always yield immediate clarity. They they take time. They, uh, the government does its best uh, yeah. to come up with rules. And there's a lot of conflicting interests, a lot of uh, a lot of debate. 
yeah uh, a lot of a lot of multiple agendas and ultimately you get something squeezed out of that machine and it's close it's usually close it's not perfect and it takes time for those to get perfect and so you're still going to live in a bit of an uncertain world for a while um, until right. there's enough enough precedents established to say okay this is what this rule really means right so it seems like we are approaching a much clearer legal and regulatory framework as as time goes on which you know i think ultimately whether it's you know whether it's DeFi, crypto, metaverse, and you know NFT tokens and ecosystems. Eventually, there is going to be regulation, and regulation is going to play a part in the you know expansion and the scope of uh, you know how these spaces function and operate. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things is Bitcoin. So we've seen the drastic, you could say, almost crash and drop of Bitcoin's value beneath uh, twenty thousand, and now it's starting to inch back up. A little bit. Often it seemed that Bitcoin was more or less a metric of the overall health or you could say the unhealthiness of the crypto market. But, you know, I think we're playing with a few more variables in 2022. Um, how would you both uh, rate or evaluate Bitcoin as a, a metric of, of DeFi and kind of the, the health of it? So whether it's, you know, going more bearish or going more bullish? And also, um, do you think it's feasible that there's going to be a successor to Bitcoin in terms of, uh, in terms of you know, value, uh, popularity, and usage? Uh, Thomas, that's, that's up your alley. Yeah. Um, the way that I see it right now, is any Bitcoin over 30 cents is a good Bitcoin. It's, it didn't fall like every single year we have these people that say, oh, it went down 10 percent. Holy. Oh, my God. You know, that's yeah, for yeah. traditional markets. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, it's a, it's a baby market. It's not saturated yet. You're, you're going to have fluctuations much higher than a cent. Of course, like, you see that every day. Um, I think that if you have two if you have two peers on the network, the network will continue to operate. And what's more important about Bitcoin is the protocol and right the rest of it is tertiary it, um andreas antonopoulos said it best you know it's, people are paying attention to the wrong thing it's it's about the protocol if if you're in this for a get rich quick thing on bitcoin it's not gonna happen it's just not because it's right. about the technology right that's that's kind of what I, I i like to play with it i think the most important thing in bitcoin right now is that 80 bytes of op code that you get to play with right you're gonna see a lot of really cool stuff come out of that Speaking of protocols, uh, Thomas, could you talk and expand upon your uh, developer background and as far as, you know, some of the uh, projects and ventures uh, you've been involved in both as a programmer and as an entrepreneur? Okay. Um, uh, kind of a long list. I, I should really consider updating my LinkedIn. But um, so uh, I've been a full stacker for 16 years. Um, I became a senior full stacker, maybe five or five years ago um that was right around uh, like 2016 i started making dApps um the first one was tribe it's a pretty cool one you know spent some time with um uh using early web3 the web3 js library and just kind of like doing really cool things with tokens um, that never really stopped um so I've, I've been in the space professionally since 2016 but i've been programming since um 2006 um, non-stop. So, so other people party, I um, I kind of get on my computer and, 
and binge. <laughs> so it's a different, um, I had a very different experience, um, very much an autodidact. Um, so anything, okay. it's, it's sort of being part of a full stacker is, it, you know, a lot of people say, um, 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 full stackers are like Swiss army knives, you know, uh, jack of all trades, Wait, master of none. Yeah. Right. But uh, senior full stackers tend to be like a Swiss army knife with an engine attached to it. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so autodidactic. Yes. Huh? Yeah. It's, no, 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 it's still being an autodidact. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you tend to, because of the, the differences in the projects, yes. you tend to need to teach yourself along the way. The patterns are Absolutely. pretty much the same. Um, but you've got to discover some things along the way and, and those stick. So I've been doing that um, forever. <laughs> right, <laughs> I started right. programming when I was a kid, like uh, sort of on, on a Tandy. Um, so it's it's been a very, very long journey, but I, I love all of it. There, there are definite pitfalls. You know, it's like sure. you can be enthusiastic. It's Icarus, right? You fly too high to the sun. And that sort of oh, thing yeah. can happen for real. But, you know, you can't be afraid of that. You have to try. People have to try. That, that is an awesome way to, uh, you know, put it, actually. And as far as being autodidactic, I can imagine you have highly creative, if not esoteric ways of learning and taking and compartmentalizing, you know, information that is probably way different than your peers. And uh, I yeah. think that would be fair to say the least, right? Non non traditional is, I think, yeah. I, I definitely found my own way into it, and things that yeah. work for me, getting into the right mindset and eating the right kind of food. Actually, you know, kind of helps out yes. a lot. Absolutely, and That's, without droning on it, this. Yes. This is why Thomas and I get along. Hard. I have no hair, and he has lots of hair. It's just, everything's non traditional. <laughs> You know, but I, I can definitely, um, you know, relate to that as well. You know, uh, you know, growing up, uh, you know, going to, you know, going, you know, finishing law school and then going into blockchain. Um, I've always been the guy where I couldn't just sit in class and learn the same way as everybody else. And for many years, it used to be very, very frustrating for me. So um, it wasn't until like, you know, high school and then getting into college. I started realizing like, okay, I actually in a very optimal way learn in these very, very specific certain settings where my focus and energy is very, very high and I also decrease the amount of burnout. So like over time and over many years, like you, and I can definitely relate this, I kind of in some ways had to almost reinvent the wheel depending on, you know, where I was education wise and what I was doing professionally as far as, as far as learning. So it kind of gave me on one hand, um, it, it was a little bit of uh, it was a little bit frustrating for a while. Cause it's kind of like, okay, you have to relearn. You have to kind of almost mm -hmm. teach yourself how to kind of get into like a certain system or mode for almost like each subject matter, or at least for me, but also at the same time too, it, it's, it's almost as if, once you've kind of, in an autodidactic sense, figured out your groove as far as how to take in the information and break it down and make it digestible, it, it kind of it kind of ends up being one of these things, and, I, and I'm sure you felt it, where you can essentially, when you're in a flow of sorts, you can go through something like 10, 11 hours because you feel like the energy and you feel the focus. And I think when everything starts gelling together, that energy kind of almost just increases until you just get super tired and you have to eat and sleep, of course. Right. But, people say, people say, you know, read a book a day and that sort of thing. It's at least 300 pages. Right. I, I set forward the challenge, read the docs. There's less pages. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> just read the docs over and over. <laughs> and yeah. if you're having fun, even better. <laughs> Absolutely. And definitely, you know, having some sort of fun or some sort of hook that makes at least one aspect or at least makes a few aspects 
very engaging. That's kind of like the fuel that starts the engine. Like um, a little bit about me. Uh, so I, I come from, you know, law background, graduated, graduated law school, worked a little bit, wasn't my passion. My heart wasn't in it. At the beginning of the lockdowns, I just decided randomly to start exploring blockchain. So I went on this certification earning frenzy. And I think a good chunk of it is on my uh, LinkedIn. But what happened was, you know, I started reading about blockchain, being somebody who wasn't familiar at all with tech, generally speaking, and um, reading the white papers and reading, you know, all these different types of scholarship. It, it was kind of like that autodidactic thing where when the switch hits on, you know, flicks on, you become so excited, you almost become obsessed with it. And that's kind of what happened. And I think for me, having like a certification to earn at the end of it was something that was able to kind of keep my motivation and focus up. So um, one of the things I did, I ended up becoming a certified smart contract developer. Now, I never had any programming experience, but it was a challenge. And that was part of the exciting thing because, you know, math was never necessarily one of my strong suits. And I never did any programming and stuff like that before, but kind of like, Kind of like, you know, some of the things like you touched on, you know, ha you know, being able to kind of create your own system and learning something is actually fun. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think that, 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 that's kind of one of the differences between people who have like an autodidactic way of learning things versus, let's say, a traditional, okay, I'm going to sit in class for this hour lecture. I'm going to listen to whatever the teacher says and go home. My thing was, I'm going to binge on the book for two whole days straight, rest for three days, and then I'm going to like start making an outline in my own words as far as how this mm -hmm. makes sense to me. And that's kind of actually how I, how I did this. So it was kind of like a frenzied, a frenzied focus, almost like a mania, just going, going, you know, going about it and learning this. And over time, um, I have to say, I genuinely believe in a lot of the promise and the potential of the technology. And I think like, like most things, it's not perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect, but I think I think the the depth and the scope of what it can provide as far as the problems we're facing today, that for me is what really made me passionate, you know, about it. And, you know, here I am two and a half years later, still in the space and, you know, doing a few things as well. But anyway, off of me, Pavan, I had a question for you. One of the major things I've seen this year are projects that are trying to tokenize real estate, you know, some involving NFT ecosystems, you know, having essentially deeds recorded on a blockchain. What are your thoughts on that as far as the real estate industry and how is the real real estate industry going to be transformed or molded by blockchain in the coming years? Well, how did you start, Thomas, and you know, I'll jump in on that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's it's my it's my thing. <laughs> um, I mean, th there's a, there are a lot of other finance, uh, real estate projects going on, and what I see are a lot of people who are not in the industry. They're trying to break in. Biggest barrier to breaking into this industry is how do you get the vendors to do it? I'd say that about logistics and about the insurance side of it, and even yeah. even the real estate. I think we could sort of solve that <laughs> because it is it is the big organization that is doing it right. um it has to come from that space and not externally as a pitch it's never gonna work as a pitch i've tried it it just doesn't work Got but it. um I, I guess that's what i would say to everybody else but um as far as where things could go once you've solved that right how many people are in between you and your your transaction like when you're trying to buy something is right so many um it look at international remittance um say you you have that component for for purchasing a home 
um, you, you may have weeks. Um, but I can tell you, um, if there are sufficient nodes in between me and the moon, I could send Bitcoin to the moon. <laughs> very well said. Yeah. yeah. Logically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it wouldn't take very long either. I mean, the clearing time granted there's some bloat. I mean, I, I actually have, um, a great deal of fun live streaming the unconfirmed transactions when there's a lot of volume and a lot of excitement and you know, oh, there's that yeah. bloat, but that yeah. bloat represents growth. There's something to be said about that too. And I think it, a lot of people look at, um, uh, different things in the market. Like it's always, it's either doom and gloom or just extreme greed. Um, I think that applies to the mechanics too. So everything that you do, even in a smart contract, there's cost, write functions, cost, read functions don't. (laughs) And then I think it's getting really cool with the diamond standard now and the facets. I'm I'm really digging into that. Um, but for everything that you add, there's a caveat, you know, for every bit of every layer of security you add is more cost on, on the end user. So how can you cleverly get to the same end result? with better math and um yeah it's 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 a challenge but I, I think like you were saying before it's a great deal of fun it's it you're going down the best rabbit hole there is and you I learn the entire that. time <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know Pavan, so, you know given, you know given your role um you know you know dealing with real estate dealing with mortgages and you know your uh, your background in this um, how do you think this transformation is going to end up turning out and how much pushback do you think there's going to be, you know, in terms of either welcoming, resisting this technology, integrating it in incremental parts? Like, how do you see this, you know, unfolding? Well, uh, so Thomas and I started working together back when Bitcoin was 60,000 or something, 65,000. Yeah. So yeah, it was looking and, good for a minute there. Yeah, like what, like <laughs> middle of twenty twenty one around that time, like late twenty twenty one. I think late, I can late, yeah, late yeah, right on just I think before Halloween, something like that. Okay, mm-hmm. around that time period. Yeah, cool. So you know, I, I maybe could connect your connect the dots. Um, Thomas leaves Safe Moons, leaves crypto world, comes into traditional finance, and uh, Bitcoin goes from sixty five to twenty. Maybe there's a correlation. Certainly a coincidence, but very spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, a little bit of a zinger there from you, Pavan. But but to more directly answer your question, um, you know we've got a pretty good Thomas and I are working on some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, When he came to Puerto Rico, um, uh, it was kind of on a whim, right? It's just like. You know, we, we did a two-minute Zoom call, and I'm working. I told Thomas, I'm working on something really cool. Um, and, and I think Thomas, Thomas, Thomas's only question was, well, you know, hey, you know, I, I don't like bankers because they, they're too stuffy. And I, I said, I said, I'm, I'm anything but that. So I said, I said, here, here's, here's uh-huh. a, here, here's, here's a ticket to to San Juan. Come on over. Imagine, um, imagine slipping, falling down. Awesome. Finding finding an engineer CEO, which is extremely rare, right? Yeah. And that's I've always wanted to work with a CEO that is an engineer also. That has to make life so much more easier and bearable, you know, from from your vantage point, I have to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. There's advantages there. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So um, I think there was a 
a picture posted on the uh, Thomas post on Twitter um, yeah. that afternoon. He, he, he flew in from Boston and then we went and had a cup of coffee um, in, in my hood. Um, <laughs> and we basically, I, I told him what I want to do. I told him what, what, are, what my ideas are. Um, I just need someone to execute it. Um, and as I said, you know, and he fell in love with it. Like, this is so different out of the box. Um, contrarian against the grain. Right? It's, it's everything that, it's everything that we stand for. Right? It's, it's maverick. Right? Being in the crypto community, you got to be maverick. Right? Yes. It's almost and, a requirement, and, and I would so, say. <laughs> Well, I, I'd say we're the Mavericks of the Mavericks. Perfect. And, and you know, uh, what would you like people to uh, know about your project? Uh, you know, as far as, you know, underlying principles, the philosophies, and some of the, um, you know, uh, you could say um, cornerstones or benchmarks you want to be able to reach, uh, you know, later this year. Well, I, I think the really underlying principle and philosophy, um, the whole reason why should a person choose to be maverick against the grain and anti anti establishment right i love is this because, keep going <laughs> is because the establishment and whatever iterations of the establishment you're talking about whether it was um, uh, under the crown and then we had our revolution um, and or before that whatever you want to say is it's every iteration Every time establishment is changed, you create, you increase egalitarianism. Yeah. Right. So, so what we all stand for, right, what SunWest stand for, and, and the unique thing about SunWest is, is we've been, you know, before crypto, right, we've been trying to do this, we've been doing this successfully for 40 years, is bring equality. Everyone's the same. My, my core fundamental belief, my father's core fundamental belief, what he taught me, is everyone is exactly the same, right? And deep inside, you love everyone. Even the person who just stalked you in the stomach, you have to love him. Okay. So how do we build a system, a society, a technology that does, these are beautiful things to talk about, but what about the execution? How do you execute? Right. right. And to execute takes technology. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And and it's it's just hard work. Right. And and if anybody who's in a relationship, anybody who's married or has kids, right? Do you just have a relation? Do, do you have a happy family just without any hard work, without any sacrifices, compromises, commitments? You, you got it. You get right. Currency is hard work, commitments, and sacrifices. You know, <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. Right. If any, anyone who's raised kids knows how oh, yeah. how hard work it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Every human relationship is hard work. There's nothing you don't get. You don't get love for free. No such thing. Right. Very true. So, how can how can you expect that at a national level? It's hard work. If you want to create a system, a country, 
built on fairness and equality, right? You got to start by loving each other first, right? And you got to start by by doing the hard work that promotes that love. You said a lot of excellent things, uh, especially how uh, you know, especially how these changes in uh, you know uh, status quo and establishment create more egalitarianism, and also having a default, you could say, inner compass or orientation, loving everybody. That is something I think these two things aren't spoken about or articulated enough. So with your projects and projects at SunWest, um, how does that make you, uh, how does that make both of you different than, uh, you know, than other companies out there? Because by the way, you know, this is great. And in fact, I would say what you're saying uh, reaches people better than a lot of these other talking points and sales pitches from a lot of companies, like whether it's in real estate, whether it's in tech, you know, I think what you, what you both are saying, this is universal across languages, across cultures, across, you know, uh, countries, you know, so to say. So um, expand on that a little bit. I'm very fascinating. Uh, well, it's universal because it goes, again, what my father said, I heard it every single day of my life is everyone's the same. Everyone is a good person. He fund he believed to the day he died. Everyone is a fundamentally a very good person inside. It's just circumstances. We all have done bad things in our life. We all have done things that we regret. Right? Those happen because of circumstances, because we're in a brain fog or, you know, an emotion gets the better of us. But inside, inside we're pure. Right? And whatever mistakes we make, we, we, we'll pay for them one day. It is what it is. Right. So, so as long when you when you accept that, but now people do make mistakes, right? That's that's the nature of existence. Right. Mistakes are going to happen. So if you if you if you think about a very simple uh, thing like with my my kids, watching them grow up, they make mistakes. The little, oh, yeah. the toddlers, they're trying to walk, right? And they'll make a mistake. They'll fall, right? And then you're, but it's hard work. You got to teach them to walk. You, you, yeah. you stand, you, you pick them up and you help them, you encourage them and they'll make a mistake and they'll fall down again. Yeah. Right. But it, we're all just toddlers. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't, we, we're still one years old, all of us. Right? When, and when you compare where we are to where the almighty is, we're just, we're just little children. Right. Yeah. So, so unfortunately, um, the Almighty is not here next to us right, to pick us up directly. He's he's there in our hearts. Right. So we have to pick each other up, and that's hard work. Right. And we have to pick each other up by, if we pick each other up and respect each other, and 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 not judge each other. Right. And and do that. And and how do you do that? on a national basis with 300 million people. Yeah. Right. It is, it, it doesn't come through wishing it, wanting it. Right. Like as, as president Obama said, he can't wave a magic wand. Right. Sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> and, and every, every politician will say, well, elect me and I'll solve the problem because I'll write this new rule. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It it comes from within us. All right. Yeah. The the most important thing our leaders need to do 
is inspire us, right? Instead of telling us what to do, they need to inspire us to find that inner beautiful being, that flawless person that's inside us. Find that person and bring that out. That's, that is what really the role of our political leaders should be. That's almost more in line with some of the things JFK uh, spoke about, actually. Yeah. And, you know, speaking uh, of, uh, you know, speaking of kind of um, toddlers and babies and kind of how in the scope of the universe and the scope of things, you know, um, we are fundamentally as we are when we come into this world. And maybe, you know, despite circumstances and despite mistakes, you know, aspects change. But I, I think at our core, we are effectively the same. And, you know, when it comes to blockchain, I always looked at blockchain and cryptocurrency. It's almost like an infant or a toddler. It's still very, very young. It's going to have a lot of hiccups and mistakes, but its potential is vast, great, and very unknown at this point. You know, so for me, like, uh, you know, whenever there's, you know, there, whenever there's dips, whenever prices, you know, drop or crash, you know, this is something that has been really in the forefront of, you could say finance, and I'm being generous here, maybe 10 years. And I think as far as mainstream knowledge, three years, I think it really came into mainstream knowledge at the beginning of the pandemic, especially. So for me, I think in the scope of, you could say, the history of, global, of the global financial system, this is still very much a baby. So, you know, moving from that, what is it about blockchain that seems to either encourage or promote egalitarianism? I will say this, for somebody who's been in this space for two years, this is purely anecdotal, but I do think there's a trend to this. I have never worked in, in a type of sector or profession where people's baseline orientation is to actually collaborate and partner up with people. Um, I, I feel like that is very, very special, and I think that is a very, very powerful ingredient for success. The willingness and openness of a lot of people in this space to, you know, link up, you know, work together. And it, and it seems like people don't have a problem putting their egos aside, you know, encouraging creativity, you know, with their peers. What is it about this space that is more egalitarian? Because sometimes I try to figure it out. It's very, very special. You could always look back at um, the free software movement. Oh, what happened? I'm sorry. Uh, Vaughn, I think you're cutting out a little bit. Can can ease. Can you hear me? Okay, I can I, I can hear uh, you. Uh, yeah, myself. My cell battery. It was my. He's stuck in the blockchain. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're cutting out. You're cutting out again. Is that good? Yeah. Are we good? Yeah, that, 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 that's a little better. better yeah. Yeah, that's better now. Yeah, I, I won't move. I'll stay still. Okay. So the the crypto. <laughs> The crypto world today is very much like the in late 80s and early 90s. And that was the same culture there. And because the new technology, internet was a new technology that created a level that moved us forward to greater egalitarianism. It was another revolution. Right? Before the internet, it was a couple of giants had a complete control over, over computing power. 
Right. Uh, okay. And 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 internet blew those doors wide open. Right. And it created. I mean, just look at the amount of information we have at our fingertips that we can get get in the eighties. Yeah. Blockchain is is equivalently same thing. The new technology and it's that Bitcoin and Ethereum was they established the standard. Right? There is no universal chain. Internet, the internet standard was established by the Department of Defense, government led. Okay, crypto, right. so open ledger standard, open ledger standard was established by private individuals, right? and and have created blockchain and has value into the blockchain. So it was very maverick. It's um, you know the the today's things, right? You know, were the leading edge companies in the '90s, like the Google, Yahoo's, and stuff. And now today, right, they're threatened. They, they gain big powers, right? And today they're they're being um, uh, challenged um, by by blockchain and open ledger technology. And I'm hearing a lot of the same arguments today uh, against blockchain that I heard um, that I heard in the 90s against against open standards and, and internet standards. All right, so yeah, this is yet yeah, another, right, yeah. It, it is, yeah. I'm, 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 regrettably, I'm older than all these things. <laughs> so uh, millennials would, would have, have, don't have that kind of cost. Uh, so uh, the, the the parallel is is is, is the same. This is other cycle structure. But there was a revolution. Just I talked about revolutions, political revolutions. You know, there's technological revolutions. We went from centralized mainframe computers, very proprietary from hardware, uh, from the cable you plugged in the computer all the way up. Wide open, open standards, you know, you know, yeah, interconnectivity with the internet, and that led to a whole new level of uh, of uh, openness, but also new forms of monopolies were created, restrictions were created. Right. Okay. So this crypto is a challenge to. Now there's another revolution challenge to those forms of uh, 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 of control, right? And 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 it's and it's being attacked at it the same way as 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 the enterprise. But the technologies here, the standards, is has been adopted, right? Um, and and, uh, and it's changed the world forever. Um, it's, it's very much like I, I remember a um, Bill Gates, and this was in the late late 90s. He had a uh, then he said somebody asked him a question. Well, don't you think this dot com is a bubble? And look at this. This is before dot com crash. He's like, it's in a bubble and shouldn't right. you know? 
why is the money going into that company? Same question is being asked to Warren Buffett. Uh, and Buffett gave a really good answer. I love what he said. Well, there is a payment, but the amount of money and power that's been put in, the world is changing. And and it's and the world is changing for the better. So, right. whether you're in, in the Warren Buffett side of the world, you think crypto is is all a, a silliness, or the other side where you think crypto is future currency for the world, right? It doesn't matter. What this is our existence. Looks like we might have lost uh -oh. for a moment. I'll uh, I'll shoot him a quick message in the meantime, and hope I think he's right back. All right, give me one second, Vaughn. All right, and you're back. And the words. You're cutting out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think uh, perhaps Pavan, do you just need a moment? And then uh, I think perhaps yeah, Thomas yeah, give me a I moment can, here. Yeah, yeah, Thomas and I can can riff a little bit uh, in the, yeah, you know, in in the meantime. But uh, you know, it certainly seems like you know right now. Um, there is a certain hopefulness surrounding the culture of blockchain participants, whether they're developers, thought leaders, um, people who are There's in marketing. There's a reason why the creators yeah. are fanatical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a reason. It's mechanical. It's this the, the math of 21 million Bitcoin. How many people yeah. are there? That's what set me on fire. I, could, yeah. I, couldn't put it, I couldn't put it down. It was 2010. I heard that, and it was over for me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, uh, you know, when um, when I first started getting into you know Bitcoin, and this was you know I think I first bought some around two and a half, three years ago. But you know, I, I was looking at the numbers and how much it had appreciated within a you know a short amount of time. And you know, it is it is volatile, and I think that's one of the most common you know critiques of it. But I think in the volatility, that's where you tend to, you know, make money. And I think when it goes down, you know, those always present, you know, very good buying opportunities or, or you know, investing opportunities. Like I remember when uh, my son was born and my son's five, but I remember like back then I was looking at those uh, treasury bonds, you know, like, you know, parents and grandparents will, you know, mm -hmm. get that for you. And I was looking at the rates online and they were like, I'm not kidding. They were like 1% and under. I'm like, why would I buy this? It's like a 20 year or like a 30 year bond. And I'm like, this isn't going to even keep up with inflation. I'm like, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to start, you know, you know, putting, uh, you know, additional, you know, funds into that. So, you know, looking at that, I'm like, okay, where do I go next? And, you know, I think a lot of these questions over the span of, of, of a few months and then leading to the, uh, the lockdowns in 2020, um, that, it almost feels like kind of being guided in that direction, almost logically speaking. If you're looking and you're seriously looking, where is the next frontier as far as prosperity and, you know, as far as a better future? You know, I, I think it's kind of like if you follow the trail, 
I think in many ways it does lead you to some aspect of, you know, cryptocurrency or, or blockchain, especially, you know, seeing, you know, just its potential and being a layperson at first, just reading the Bitcoin white paper. I'm like, there's a tremendous amount of promise and potential here. Like I, I was thinking like everybody should be kind of shouting, you know, at, you know, at the top of their lungs about how great it is as far as the potential anyway. You know, I think, you know, there's obviously going to be mistakes and bumps in the road, but, um, you know, I, I think for people, if you, if you open your eyes and you're really listening, and I think if you're being very, very honest with yourself, you know, it, it is near impossible to ignore the amount of possibility that could be really built from this. And from possibility, that's how we have solutions. You know, uh, you know, I think, you know, regardless of your age, you know, regardless of where you are in the world, I think many bad decisions have been shouldered upon people collectively. You know, you see what's going on in the world right now. This isn't something that happened, you know, overnight. This was cumulative. You know, this is something, you know, things happening for 30 plus years. And, you know, uh, you know, you know, people often have to wonder, is, is listening to the same script going to get me anywhere further over time, you know? And I think having an open mind and even, you know, Pavan, what you said, actually starting from a place of love as you kind of interact with the world and deal with the world. I think if, I think, you know, I think your dad is a very wise person. In fact, you know, some of the things you were just saying about him. But I do think this, if that is your orientation, I think it makes you a much more creative person and in fact, a happier person. Like I think um, if you're if, I think if you're naturally cynical, whether you're right or wrong, I'm not sure if it adds a whole lot of value in the end, you know? So if you're cynical and you're right, it's like, well, you still feel like shit. And I think that just re reinforces your overall outlook at the world. But then, but then if you're, but then again, if you're cynical and you're wrong and things go in the other direction, then it just makes you feel more bitter or more resentful perhaps. And I think if you're more optimistic, so to say, you know, it, I think it's better in winning or losing, you know, if, if you win, it feels even better. And if you lose, you know, it's kind of like, well, maybe there's something to be learned there. You know, maybe there's well, a silver lining to this, you know, you know, I, I think the outlook, whether it's of people, and I think of a lot of people in this industry tends to be glass half full. Like I've, I've seldom ever met anybody who had like some sort of apathy, you know, who is in this space. And I mean, really in this space, like doing things, so to say. I, I, I can comment on that. Sure. I'll draw an, an engineering metaphor to what you just said. Awesome. Please do. Um, a good engineer. And I, I just had this conversation with one of our engineers. And I said, I said, I said, to be a really great engineer, right, you have to dig down deep, deep, deep in exactly how does the system work and why does it work. Right? If, you get, if you want to understand how the system works, go all the way down to the AND gate on the CPU. Right? Understand it. And, and go beyond that, understand the substrates and, and the, the silicon doping and everything. Right. Then you have the foundations to understand how the whole system works. Right. So it's the same thing. Instead of looking at life half empty, half full, this, that, look deep inside you. Right. And understand yourself to the core. And, then, and if you really dig deep and understand that, you're going to find... And, and it's something that we say at SunWest all the time is that you're a magical being and you're capable of doing magic. Right. And, and that's not, that's not being optimistic or pessimistic, whatever. That's just the truth. No, I, I get what you're saying. I do. I think uh, 
a lot of times people either don't value or greatly underestimate small efforts or especially small cumulative efforts as well. I think sometimes if people want to start a project or start something, it's kind of like, oh, this is difficult. And people kind of like talk themselves out of things. I think that's, that's kind of uh, almost a very overriding theme in life. And I think maybe this is something of the U.S. schools, and this is just my critique. I think society in many ways teaches you to be scared of failure. So I think people are kind of psyched out from even starting in the first place. And I'll tell you this, like, um, you know, I think this, if you're not scared of failing, I, then I think, you know, every, every action, whether you succeed or fail, it's almost like um, data or input along the way. You know, because if, it, you know, because I think this, if you're scared of failing and you do actually fail, I think you scare yourself and I think you just kind of shut yourself down. Like, I think you see it all the time with people, but if you're, indifferent to it you know not like encouraging it like okay i'm gonna do this and you know i'm gonna suck at it but whatever but i think if you're just kind of almost neutral or almost like uh almost a little uh, agnostic to it you know through the process wherever you go (laughs) calculated agnosticism yeah yeah exactly then i think you can at least be of a point of view where you can at least extract some value from that experience you know regardless of its you know, regardless of its, you know, success. And I, I do think uh, a lot of people, you know, are very, in this space, like Web3, just generally speaking, I don't think people are just so deterred by failure. Like, I, I really do think, you know, as far as, you know, I think ultimately this is going to be something that's going to change uh, how the establishment is going to look like. But people who are in this space, I think, are very resilient or, you know, or, or at least almost welcoming to the fact that, hey, I might be wrong right now. So what? <laughs> it's all part of the, it's all part of the path well, I think in a lot of cases um, you're going to find that people they'll have that they'll shoot their shot once and they, they kind of crumple right right exactly yeah um, but then also I, th- I think it's it's kind of a dangerous thing um, I think it, not being afraid to fail it, I think it, it's more along the lines of not being afraid to try again and again and again right. And doing it the right way, trying to figure out something new, learning from that experience. The failure part doesn't have to be a negative. I mean, it comes with negatives, but you deal with it. We're adults. That sort of thing kind of happens. Right. But it's, what are you going to do next? Right. And by the way, even, you know, speaking of both of your, uh, you know, re- respective accomplishments, you know, one can say this. If, you know, if somebody at some point in time wanted to be an entrepreneur, wanted to, let's say, you know, do something significant as an entrepreneur in real estate or do something significant in blockchain. How many people in your life, in your lives have you met who talk about doing things all the time, but they don't, uh, you know, ultimately as well. So, you know, if you think about it over time, you know, as you are right now, whether it's me or, or both of you, you know, whatever our failures were up to this point, you know, that, that some of all that is greater than nine out of 10 people who don't even start don't even try, you know, to, you know, to begin with, like, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. And, you know, sometimes, especially, I think if you do a live stream where you're putting yourselves out there, I mean, and, you know, Thomas, you're a very, very well-known figure on social media as well on Twitter and TikTok, you know, yep. how many, how many times have you met people who are like, Oh, I, I would never make content. So to say, or, you know, they're like, are you, are you worried about what people are going to say? And my feeling is this, you know, if, if most people live their lives according to what other people think about them, you're never free. And that is not a life I, I, I want to live, mm. you know, uh, you know, um, and, and I think, unfortunately, 
that ends up being kind of almost reinforced a lot of times, whether it's through school, whether it's through work and whatnot. So I have a tremendous amount of admiration for people such as yourselves who really go out, do something novel and really shoot your shot and see where it goes, you know? Uh, and by the way, you know, uh, and I think we all, we always have to keep in mind too, you know, as we are right now, we don't know everything that needs to be, we don't know everything that there is to be known right now. So I think even if hypothetically I make a mistake and I view it as a mistake, is that really a kind of almost like a stepping stone to some solution in the future? I mean, I don't know that at the moment, but I'll, I'll, I'll feel like, oh, I screwed this up or I missed my shot here. But like also, it's kind of maybe a little naive or maybe even arrogant to say, but I don't really know where this is leading right now. You know, so, so I think um, I have I have a small uh, point there. Uh, please, so, please do. Um, consider Explorer. I how did Microsoft feel about that? Um, the, their oh, gigantic yeah. failure to produce a browser that worked um, the way it was supposed to work um, informed the rest of the space. You had open source projects, the, the WebKit, all this other nonsense that came out with not great nonsense. It's amazing, you know. Um, but just even even so, Microsoft didn't give up trying to make a browser. Right. I'm not going to say they succeeded fully because I don't know. <laughs> but sure. what they did yeah, was right. that was a stepping stone for everyone else. Right. Everyone learned from that. That's a very I, good point. I, I actually have, have, a, have a different, completely different take on, on what you just said. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> is i think we put too much pressure uh i would say we society has trained all of us to say success and failure it's all you right too much emphasis on success and too much emphasis on failure on both ends of it why right why is any of that important okay so and the reason why any of that important, the reason why we've been trained to feel that any of this is important, is what the elitists want you to feel. Sure. If you don't, if you, if you're not driven to by some fundamental emotions, like I'm, like need, greed, right, fear, they got nothing to sell you. Very true. Right. If you're content. Again, going back again to what I say, if, if you're content and you have tapped into that inner magic, right, they can't sell you, they can't manipulate you, they can't get, your, they can't get you to vote the way you want you to vote. Right. Right? Right? They can't get you to do anything other than you will do only what is right for you. Right? And then all of those things disappear. Right? You stop worrying about success or failure. Stop worrying about, if I try this, this, and this, and this, that could happen. That's not the reason to make a decision on, you know, right. the reason to make a decision is what does your inner spark tell you that you should do? Listen to that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that's all, I think that's always something we could, uh, 
become better at. And I think this is something I kind of learned over time, you know, I think, um, especially after becoming a father. And I think that definitely changes a lot of uh, perspective on things. It does, I think at the very least, it makes you way more empathetic, generally speaking, that, you know, than, than you are previously. It did, it did so for me anyway. But I, I'll say this, um, you know, I, I tell myself this, if I'm going to make a decision, small or large, it can never be from a place of arrogance. It can't be from a place of fear. It can't be from a place of angry, uh, of anger. Sorry, because I feel like this because because some part of your head is just not clear, you know, so to say. There's something just kind of inside that's either you know that's kind of just gnawing at you. So and, and there's kind of this feeling afterwards. I'm like, oh, okay, was that the best course uh, to go? And I feel like this. I think if you're almost kind of clear, or let's say if the uh, the water is still, so to say, regardless of the, I think the. Um, result, I'm still fine with that decision because when I made that decision, that's where I came from. But if it's from, if it's from like fear, anger, arrogance, or greed, those are the types of decisions I personally regret, so to say. But that's something that took a lot of trial and error over, over the years and, you know, a lot of, you know, in, introspection and a bunch of other things as, as well. But, you know, everything you said, Pavan, I mean, honestly, this is, this is very, very, introspection introspective philosophical and just awesome uh, you know i you know i i think that that i think uh what you're saying right now connects with a lot of people without a doubt and i think people need to hear it more yeah well we can uh thomas and i are going to be talking more about it this saturday okay um, yeah yeah, and, Talk about and that. What, what are you two up to on Saturday? What, uh, what, I, what type of events or what type of uh, appearances uh, do you two have on uh, have on your roster? Well, uh, the there's two two aspects of Saturday. One, the first half of it is coaching by some of the best in the world, uh, which is Terrell Owens and Pudge, uh, Ivan Pudge Rodriguez. Um, nice. uh, I'm sure you you know uh, uh, probably. Arguably the best, one of the best football players ever ever lived, and one of the best baseball players ever lived. And and in their own ways, they're both mavericks. They're both nonconformists. Yeah, right. They they did everything that was unexpected of them to do. Okay, and Pudge is is amazing because he got in the Hall of Fame in the first vote, first round of voting. I, I I don't I don't know if it was ever done before. Maybe 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 once or twice. Yeah. So he's 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 arguably probably the best, at least the best catcher ever. Right. So how do you get to be the best at something? Right. And that's what they're going to be talking about. Right. They're the absolute best. And to be the absolute best, at something that means you got to do something. You got to think different. You got to be different. And so that's so the first half is really about the inner magic, and and the second half is we're going to be saying we're going to show the world how the team at SunWest, team at Intelligence, my tech company, um, the stuff that Thomas is working on, how that's all come together, uh, and we're going to actually show how that's come together, how the blockchain is an incredible piece of technology um, and we are fundamentally shifting the real estate industry, which is, you know, I don't know how much, can't even guess uh, how many trillion dollars of real estate there is in America, yeah, like 20, 30 trillion dollars, just in real estate value. Um, 
and annually mortgages loan, you know, real estate lending is about a two to three trillion dollar industry. It was six trillion, five to six trillion during the twenty twenty one. So yeah, that's right. It is a massive industry. Um, it is it is pretty much all of the you know significant part of the wealth of America. Um, you know, they say if there's a recession, housing leads. Right, housing leads in the yeah. creation of recession, housing leads in getting out of the recession. Yeah. Right? Why? Because there's so much money in real estate. Uh, and that's the problem that we're addressing, how to make that industry, how to turn it upside down on its head. Yeah. You're, we're going we're gonna to actually show you a, a working um, a system working that's, that's going to change this industry upside down. Got it. And at the moment, are there any uh, specifics you can uh, discuss, or is most of this still kind of in stealth mode, or or whatnot? Um, you know, uh, we're going to be today is what Thursday, so we're going to be showing all in just two days. Okay, all right. right? So this is Saturday, then. right? So we're going to we're going to yeah. we're going to right. Yes, so I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> do, do you, do you, is there any 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 clues you want to drop, Thomas? So we're going to show. Yeah, I was, I was just asking if there's any clues you wanted to drop. Mm, um, uh, if not, that's okay. It's only in two days. So I was actually just two, uh, on, There's like, so much. There's so uh, much well, work. Um, I, yeah. I, here's, I would I would say we've already, Thomas and I have already, I've only, you know, if you look at my Twitter account, I only have like a handful of tweets. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not a social media person. I'm. I'm. I'm an old man. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Thomas and I have already dropped quite a few clues. Okay. If you really go back and look at that stuff, there's a lot. We've yeah, pretty much true. explained it. Almost. But it, it, you yeah. just have to pay attention. <laughs> well, now I'm really going to dig now. Very, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is very very funny how sometimes when I post a direct screenshot of a console people think that's a hint or it's oh, or some okay, confusing okay. cryptic message oh, but right. it, just, it's the word starts really reading into it too much yeah, right yeah, yeah it's it's, it's just it's all the answers it's so simple yeah. <laughs> everything look the best you know business ideas right the best right. solutions the best the the the, the best gadgets are the simplest gadgets. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's like the guy who, who put the wheels in the trash can. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Simple or, idea. You made yeah. a fortune. Yeah. You're, you're a developer yourself. I'm sure you'll, you'll catch this reference. The name Coinbase. So simple. Yeah. Yes. And nobody did it before them. Right. And and the uh, oh my god the, the UI UX and just the uh, the user experience it's so easy on the eyes it's intuitive it's I mean it's great actually that was the first platform yeah. I used and I think that's the case for many people um, some some yeah. irony here though if you want to send some crypto it'll take you nine button presses to do it that's actually good did you ever think yeah, about that not, before now I'm thinking about it because now because <laughs> I, I, I use Binance and that. And this is nothing against Binance, but like sending Even crypto, so. yeah, it, it's a little bit easier, actually. And when I think of Coinbase, it's like, yeah, there's actually more steps that I think about. Oops, it. you need to jump through and all this other yeah. strange tertiary stuff that doesn't even belong there. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. So, it's a nice so UI. How, how, right. about, 
How about how about buying a house with less than nine button presses? Oh, buying a million dollar million dollar piece of real estate. <laughs> I I think you will, I think that will definitely make the real estate market more exciting and more liquid. If people could could buy a house in so well, few steps. Well, I, 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 yeah. there you you hit the nail on the head, and you say more liquid and more easy, right? That's a revolution, and what do Oh yeah, Pavan, just cut out there that one, that one last part. Yeah, now you're back. I think the screen might have oh. frozen. Pavan? I know he was about to say something really awesome again. Are you back? Pavan? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you a little bit better now. Uh, somehow it disconnected my headset. I don't okay, know what's so that's, going on. Much, that's much better now. But you can see the top of my bald head now. Ah, my... Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um, so uh, what was I saying? You're about to, uh, I guess you could say, uh, expand on on the comment that you know having real estate transactions be like completed in like so few steps, like less than Coinbase um, is going to make it more liquid and that's going to uh, be a revolution yes. in and of itself. Yeah. So, so w what happens when you increase liquidity, right? I mean, what happened in the American revolution? We took away taxes, put more money in people's pockets, right? Give yeah. people freedom, right? Money Social equals freedom. Yeah, yeah. Social right? mobility, liquidity yeah. equals freedom, right? And freedom equals egalitarianism, right? And freedom is hard. By the way, I, I don't mean to interrupt. This is awesome. This should all be slogans on <laughs> everything. Actually, yeah. Yep. Liquidity equals freedom. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> all right. So if you can make it easier and cheaper and faster yeah. to buy real estate, then what the politicians have always talked about over the years is that everyone should be a homeowner. Right. Right. Okay. I, I don't know if we can ever get there, but we can certainly get a lot closer to it. And the number one way of, you know, creating stable wealth, protection for your family, is owning a home. Right. Absolutely. Right. So owning real estate is, 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 the, is the number one way. And it's just simple, basic, because everyone needs a place to live. Own your home, love your home. And a big part, big headache off your life is gone. Well said. Right? So if, if you look at average, an average American's paycheck, right? Like 50% of it goes into rent. Yeah. Right? Or, or even Not more. Much. Yeah. Right? So it's rent and insurance and then gas and then everything else. Right. Right. So why shouldn't that 50% of your paycheck every month, instead of just getting burned, become an investment? Well said. And, and yeah. that should, that should be the case for, and that's why it is, that's why we have a, 
uh, a, a tax credit for homeowners because it's a good decision. Yeah, to be owning a home. Right. So the government is, it's the, you know, the government gets right once in a while. Right? We're anti-establishment or anti-elite, but the government is not all that bad. It gives us security. Right. Gives us a Give credit where credit's due. Yeah. <laughs> right. We do need that. It gives us law and order. We we do definitely right. do need that. Right. So it, it has its place. We, we do love the government. Um. So and they come up with some good ideas like a like a real estate tax credit. Yeah. Um. So those things create long-term wealth and stability in your life. Um, and it actually creates generational wealth, right? Currently we have uh, $10 million of uh, gift tax exemption. So right. you can, you can, you can buy a house, pay it off over the years and you can transfer it to your kids and now your kids don't have to worry. Now yeah. they have a house, right? And that means yeah. 50% of the paycheck that they would have had to burn on rent, they have to invest and grow and multiply, right? Absolutely. Right? And and the, the real fuel for the economy is investment. Investment creates new ideas. We get to create when we invest. We invest our time, we invest our labor, we invest our money, we create. And that's magical. Pavan, I just have a quick question. Have you written a book at all? Because I would totally buy I, I, it. I'm not, I'm not sure if I've ever read a book. So, well, <laughs> well you should definitely write one. <laughs> I've actually been taking some notes here. This is No, the way you've conceptualized all this and articulated it, this is, this is absolutely correct. And this is, I think, this is, I think, this is the way that the economy and people should perhaps be more geared and oriented, you know, uh, you know, towards as as well. And you know, like you said, having an asset such as a home, you know, provides that comfort, and in, in fact, it you know protects your children and your family members. You know, you never know what's going to happen in the economy, and you know, um, you know, rent is purely an expense, and not to my knowledge, I don't think there's any type of tax credit or tax write-off credit or tax write-off for for for, for rent. For, for rent. No, maybe in a commercial maybe in a sense. Commercial sense, sense uh, but... Yeah, for your personal residence, you right, pay rent. Right. It's, it's you're just burning. You might as well take a pile of money and burn it. Right, right. Around, I think you're echoing. Before we end, could you, could you uh, uh, announce again, again explain the event on Saturday and where we find it and where you know where we can find some content and tabs on what uh. And what uh what you guys are working on? Because I'm very excited. Uh, sure. Um, the you can register for the event on swmc.com, as in SunWest Mortgage Company, swmc.com forward slash game on G A M E O N. All right. I'll include that in the comments section uh, for the content that was posted, just to make sure people don't forget. And uh, there is, it's, uh, you can register there. Um, I think we're full now for in-person uh, registrants. Um, uh, it's, it's in Resorts World in, in Las Vegas. Um, there, it is also will be live streamed. And actually, the live stream link will be uh, released uh, any minute now. It's about, Excellent. It's about to be released. And on an ending note, um, is there, you know, some sort of uh, final thought that uh, – 
know, you both want to, you know, leave the audience with? I mean, there's, I mean, I know you, I, I mean, I can imagine it's going to be awesome and I know there's a lot to, a lot we can go with, but you know, anything off the top of your head. Hmm. Um, I keep going back to Andreas. I think he's, he's my favorite guy in the whole world. Um, just, I hope that the builders stay brave. You know, they've already done that so far. So you have to yeah. be bold and be brave and build without permission. But build I mean, you know, do that, do that responsibly. <laughs> I agree. Build without permission. And Pavan? Uh, I, I will end with, uh, I'm a child of the 80s. I love the 80s. <laughs> As a teenager in the 80s. And one of my favorite places in the 80s was Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, yeah. And, and their motto, which, which still holds true, is, was love all and serve all. So peace and, and live with that motto. That is, that is awesome. I don't think there's anything I can add to that. And I have to say, this is, this is definitely one of the greatest, most introspective episodes involving you know core values and technology we covered a tremendous amount of ground and i think i think for those watching this um there is a lot of enlightening bits of wisdom and insight to to take from this i know i certainly have so i just want to say pavan thomas it was an absolute beyond pleasure having you both on today to talk about blockchain and talk about a lot of these underlying values and principles not just to make better technology but to make better people to use this technology. And I, and I think a lot of it is, is going to start there, you know, from these beliefs, from these core, from these core values. And, um, you know, and I think with blockchain and with the things that both of you talked about, if let's, if people can kind of hold on to their courage, build without permission, as, as you would say, Thomas, you know, and love all, serve all. I, I, I have absolutely no doubt um, that blockchain will will better the world in great and astounding ways. And this will be something that will be adopted in mass, or mass adoption, rather. And I, I think with these things that we discussed, and if things, if things, if tech and people are oriented as such, we will inevitably get there. So again, gentlemen, I had an incredible time speaking with you for this one hour. I will post the information in the comments section of my content for the Saturday event, and I will certainly be, be tuning in as well. So I'm very excited to see uh, what SunWest has in store for this year. So, guys, thank you very much uh, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure and honor to speak with both of you today. And I'm looking forward to having you both back on in the future uh, in, in a few months. And uh, we, can, we can pick up from, uh, pick from here. Sounds great. Thank you for having us on. Thank you for coming on. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.